Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Isn't it good to be here? It really is. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. What are we doing? TV's crooked. We can straighten that out, can't we? Say, whoa, is that good? That's the Lord. All right. Woo! See, this is good. It's just good. Man, it's great to be here in the house of the Lord. I'm Ronnie West. I'm the education pastor here, and uh, it's my privilege to be able to share with you this morning. And sometimes when you are uh, coming up and speaking sporadically, it's kind of hard to know, hey, what, what do I want to share, what do I want to do? But uh, Randy helped with that this time. He, he, asked, he said, Ronnie, you want to speak on July 2nd? I said, I'd be glad to. He says, good. You can share whatever you want to as long as it's on freedom. So I said, Okay. <laughs> So we're just going to talk about everything the Bible says about freedom today. So we'll be here another two, three. No, I'm just kidding with you. We're going to have a good thing. Man, I think that's my favorite song that the choir and orchestra does. I, I just, it just, it's, it's so appropriate for today. And uh, talking about breaking chains and being free. But uh, it, just, it just gets me going because I know uh, my own struggles in my own life. I know the things that, uh, that I wrestle with. And, you know, I was, I was sharing with somebody. Uh, earlier, I don't think there a week goes by that um, you know we're not. Uh, I'm not sharing with somebody that's struggling with alcoholism or or some drug addiction or porn addiction or not, you know or has, has marriage issues or problems. I mean, there's just man, it just seems like there's a heaviness, right? And uh, with that heaviness, man, we, it's a good thing that uh, we we serve a God who who breaks the chains. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight or this morning. And do those things, but uh, hey, man, July Fourth weekend. I hope that you've got some good plans uh, this weekend. I hope you grill some hamburgers and and hot dogs and enjoy some time with family and celebrating the freedom we have as a country. Uh, you know, I, I, when I was thinking this week, what is it that that drives men and women to the battlefield for for this experience or this idea? That we call freedom. What what about it is is, is so compelling that it would t- would drive somebody to the place that they were risking injury and even life and death for for this idea. And um, you know one one of the uh, things that I read it's it's a great quote. I didn't say who said it. it. Says a soldier doesn't fight because he hates what's in front of him. He fights because he loves what's left behind. Isn't that the truth? And, and so you, you see this idea that, man, there's something about freedom that's worth fighting for. Let's pull up some stats. Um, they're pretty shocking when you think about it. Uh, in the years in the United States, we've had 651,008 battle deaths. 651,000. That's actually in the battle. We've had another approximately 1.35 million during wartime, meaning these may have been as a result of injury or other things, but it wasn't actually on the battlefield. Maybe it was in the hospital or something like that. But still, you're, you're looking at 2 million deaths over the years uh, for, for this thing we call freedom, for this experience, for this lifestyle, for, for this idea. Um, and I tell you, 42 million men and women have served during wartime. 42 million. And that means about one in five or so, or something like that, uh, one in 50, excuse me, one in 50 uh, cost them their life. So, hey, let's give them one more hand for serving, and thank you for, for serving and doing that. Uh, I know that, 
I myself had a grandfather who fought in World War II. He fought, uh, followed Patton around, and uh, I was doing that stuff. And then I had a, uh, a Tina's father uh, also fought in the Pacific realm uh, of World War II. And so we have a lot of family members. I've had, uh, I've had the privilege of knowing many, many veterans who fought and had the opportunities to talk with them and share stories with them, some that they would talk about, others that were just too horrific they wouldn't talk about them. And so there is a price, right? There's a cost uh, to doing that. So what is it about freedom? You know, well, it's, one is freedom of religion, right? This ideal includes that we can believe what we want to believe. We don't have a government. We don't have a, a government telling us what we have to believe, where we have to go to church, what we put our faith in. We have freedom to express our faith. And sometimes that creates a little bit of problems because we have some differences, but at least we have the freedom to do so, right? We have um, freedom of speech, which also means that sometimes with freedom of speech, it doesn't mean that we're guaranteed to always have pleasant things. It's almost a guarantee that we are going to be offended, right? We don't have a right not to be offended. You know, freedom of speech guarantees that we will be offended by somebody. And that's okay because that, it's, it, it, it's worth it. It's worth to be able to, to talk and say what's on your mind and be able to vocalize it even at the risk of meaning that somebody's going to say something that offends me. I'm willing to give that, to have that right myself. We have, we have freedom of education to pursue, to pursue goals in life uh, that, uh, and dreams and things like that. We can vote. And if we don't like something, we can vote it out, right? We, we can do that. We, we have the right to, to limit our government through voting power. Uh, you know, it, there's nothing in the Constitution that limits us as people it's only things that limit the government. And, and so that's part of the freedom. We, we, we can have firearms. And uh, that's not just to protect our houses from thugs or robbers, but it's also from the possible potential th tyranny of a government. In other words, nobody can take us over because we have the right to bear arms and do that. We have the right to own private property. It, it's a great experience, this thing called freedom. And uh, this American experience is, is, is wonderful, and so many people want it. That's why so many people want to be here and stuff like that. Then you have other groups that always want to kind of come in and infringe on that freedom, and we should always guard against that. Sometimes they infringe on it by policies or by, by laws or things. Other times just by, by idealism itself. I know one of the big questions this week was, uh, was PETA. PETA was putting out the question, why do you eat bacon? What a question. Well, because I believe bacon makes everything better. That's why, right? Yeah, I, I tell you, it does. It doesn't matter what you put it in. In fact, I think there are three things that make everything better. Uh, milk chocolate, bacon, and potato chips. It's just awesome. So our friends at Cracker Barrel have this wonderful candy bar called Pigs and Taters. And it has milk chocolate. Bacon and potato chips in it. Isn't that awesome? This is just wonderful. Uh, that, that's the American dream right there all wrapped up in the candy bar. Uh, but uh, I've had this candy bar for over a year now. I refuse to eat it uh, because it can't live up to that dream, right? It just can't do it. It's just too good. Too good to be true, right? But uh, three things to make for No, we have, uh, you know, the, the idea there is, guys, we, here in America, we, we got so many wonderful freedoms that we can choose from and we can do uh, that, that, it, that it's wonderful. Let me, let me share with you a few um, quotes from both Democrats and Republicans and 
some non-politicians uh, that I think are very appropriate for celebrating a weekend about freedom. Uh, Ronald Reagan said this. He said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be one nation gone under. Uh, Elmer Davis said, this nation will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. Here's a good quote. In the truest sense, freedom cannot be bestowed. It must be achieved. Franklin D. Roosevelt. I think y'all know this one. Here's a pretty famous one that was given out. Uh, Patrick Henry says, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Yeah, that's a great quote, isn't it? And listen, he said it right here in Williamsburg, not too far from here. But hey, freedom was worth even life. Here's another one you'll know. Ask not what you can do for your, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. John F. Kennedy. Um, yeah, here's a, I think here's my favorite one. And this is John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, some of y'all like John Wayne. I like that. Okay. And you'll like the quote. It's a good one. Here we go. It says, Sure, I wave the American flag. Do you know a better flag to wave? Sure, I love my country with all her faults. I'm not ashamed of that. I never have been, and I never will be. Man, it's good to be an American. It's good to have the rights of freedom. It's good to do that. But you know, there have been lots and lots of sacrifices so that you, cannot, you and I can enjoy that freedom. And uh, I think the thing is, that's not the only kind of freedom that we get to celebrate today. We also get to celebrate the freedom that we have in Christ because there too was a great sacrifice so that you and I could, could understand or have freedom because we, we are actually born sinners. We're born in slavery. Let's, let's look at Romans chapter 6 real quick if we can. Can we do that? If you would. I hope you brought your Bibles today. It's always a good thing in church to bring your Bible, right? And uh, it's, it's there. I'm always, I'm a little old-fashioned. I, like I like the paper kind, you know, rather than the, than the ones on the phones. Uh, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't use the one on your phone, but I just like the one on the paper. I like to write. I like to write in it. You know, the, uh, the word's holy, the paper's not. And I just like to write and like to go back in and see the notes and things that I've taken and done and stuff. But here we go. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 through 7 says, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we shall always be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is what? Freed. Freed from sin. So, a couple of things about this. You know, first thing is talks about, hey, we are in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of resurrection. Now, actually, Romans chapter 6 starts off. It says, uh, you know, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid, for how shall we that are dead sin live any longer in it? Know you not that when you were baptized, you were baptized into this? So it's actually uh, it's a, a, a verse that's kind of talking about this picture of his death and resurrection that we celebrate through baptism. And so when we baptize people, uh, you know, when we place them under the water, we Baptize them in the likeness of his death. And then he is raised to newness of life. Now that newness there is, is 
qualitatively new. It's not refurbished. You can go down to the Apple store and you can uh, buy a cheaper computer that's refurbished, right? This is not refurbished. This is not redone. It's not saying, hey, I'm going to take and fix you up and, 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 and tweak it a little bit. No, he makes us new. The old is gone. All things have become new. So that's the good news, okay? So if we're going to be like him in his death, certainly we'll also be like him in his resurrection, meaning he is promising us everlasting life. He's doing these things. But the ideal is he's set us free from sin. Now, the ideal here, though, is this word for right here. That means, hey, this is in reference to something that's in the past, something that we've already talked about. So I'm going to kind of get churchy with you just for a moment. Hang with me. We're going to use three churchy words, uh, but then we're going to kind of unpack them so they make sense, okay? And that's what we're going to do. But in Romans chapter 1 through 3, it talks about the idea of condemnation, all right? And so it really talks about this idea that we are condemned. We'll get to it in just a second. Then Romans 4 and 5, it talks about justification, this ideal now that he has taken us and he's justified us. He, he, he's, he's removed our sin from us. He's, he's placed us in a righteous or a, a good and positive relationship with him. Okay? And then in verses 6 through 8, chapters, excuse me, 6 through 8, talks about this process of sanctification. It means, all right, so I was condemned, now I'm justified, and now this, this idea of sanctification, it's, it's just like, okay, now I'm a believer. What does that mean? It's the growing up process, the maturing process of a believer. And that's what we're doing there. Unpack it a little bit here if we can. So and going back to Romans chapter 1 and 3, and we're talking about condemnation. A lot of times we don't realize or think about the fact that, hey, we see a baby and we think how cute it is. And we, we celebrate life. But we are born in a state of condemnation. We're sinners. One of our favorite verses, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. But later, in verse 18, it says, Oh, he who believes, okay, has eternal life, but he who does not believe is what? Condemned already. Okay? And so, boy, that, that, that's shocking. It's scary. It means, hey, we are born without hope. The sentence has already been passed. The judge has already slammed his gavel down. We are born in a state of condemnation, eternally separated from a loving God without hope. That's how we're born. So this beautiful, innocent little baby is born a sinner, actually, and born not knowing God. Created in his image, but born not knowing him. And that's not just that, it's every single one of us. So we are born in bondage. We are born in slavery to our sinful nature. We don't really have a choice about it. Oh, we may have a choice which sins, but we all will sin because that's who we are. That's, the, that's our nature. That's, that's, that's how we came into this world. And we are condemned already. There's nothing we can do about it. And then it goes into the next thing is it talks about, all right, so if, if I'm born in, in, into sin or into slavery, and we got that there, uh, you know, it just means we're lost. If I'm condemned, I'm lost. I don't know my way. I, I, I can't find it. I'm, I'm living in darkness. Y'all get the idea? And every one of us are that way. But then justification teaches us about grace. 
Well, what is grace? Grace is the absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God. What does that mean? Okay, boy, that's a big term. Absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God. What it means is I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. There's nothing I can do. But yet God in his love before he even created the world had a plan. And that plan was he in the form of his son was going to take on flesh and take on 100% man 100% God, he was the God-man who was born for the purpose of death. He was not born for the purpose of having good relationships. He was not born to to have uh, a grand time or to have family. No, he was born for the purpose of death. Because in his death or through his death, he could redeem us back to himself. Okay. I want to illustrate this a little bit. Teresa, can you come up here just a second? I asked Teresa to volunteer, and she gladly said, sure, what do you want me to do? I said, you'll find out. All right, so come on up here. And I want to share with you just a little bit. If you could stand right over here, if you would. Some of you are all saying, I'm just glad he didn't ask me to come up here. All right, so. (laughs) Yes. We were born in bondage, right? Could you put your hands through there? Here we go. Let me come over here and set me up. It fits her perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> so, you notice I did ask somebody. I knew I could get the jacket on. So there we go. All right. So she's born totally blind <laughs> to, to what's going on. She has no clue what's happening. Hey, can I have your hands up here a second? Let's find them. Stick them out there. Can you hold them there? Put them, put them, hold them down. There you go. Hold them just like that. And so we're not only born in bondage, it's sin that keeps us in bondage. So then what happens is we are totally, that's a long, that's a lot of sin, isn't it? Maybe I can just tell you another story while we're doing it. I won't do that to her. Okay. So anyway, uh, So, there's nothing we can do about it. Can, you know, you are in bondage, Teresa, totally in bondage, and it's sin that is broke, that, that has you in bondage. Can you get out of that? Can you see if you can get, the, get, your, get out of your bondage? It's not working, is it? And, and she can struggle all day long. It's not going to happen, okay? Trust me. I, I, I'm not, and I wouldn't let her anyway, so you have to keep your hands together. Okay. There we go. Head to the, but she can, it's really tight, though, isn't it? So, but, you know, hey, when Christ came, he broke. He broke that bondage, okay? And so he took that sin away. Keep your hands together if you would, okay? And uh, so when he came and he broke the bondage from us, he removed our sin and he, 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 he cleansed us and he justified us, okay? And that's what we're justified. It's justified and never sinned. So now we no longer have the sin that's keeping us in bondage. But the problem is we as Christians sometimes don't know how to live in freedom, not in the Christian freedom we have. We stay in bondage right there. So keep your hands together, if you would, right there. And don't, don't let your hands together, but go ahead and see if you can get your bondage, which is the jacket off. But keep your hands together. See if you can do it. Can you? Oh, wait a minute. Let's just go ahead. She actually can see now, right? <laughs> she can actually see now. Why? Because, hey, as a believer, we, we, she can see. She, she's no longer lost. She has this relationship with Christ, and she can do this stuff. But go ahead. Can, can you get out? Can you get out? It doesn't work, does it? No. You're all stuck in there, huh? And, and that's the problem. We, once, once the chains have been broken, sometimes we, 
we stay in bondage. And we don't know how to live in that. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. Give her a hand. Would you, could you do that? Yeah, thank you, Teresa. And so, you know, in saying that, there was a lot of sin there, as I said there. And, you know, we don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem remembering my sin. I don't have a problem thinking about it because I know there, there's, there's lots and lots of sin there. And uh, I don't have it. In fact, uh, I've told you all the stories before. The other day I had this dream, and uh, I dreamed I died, and I went up into the pearly gates there, and uh, St. Peter's pearly gates, and there was this big ladder going up the side there, way up, and just, just as far as you could see. And um, they handed me this 10-foot piece of chalk. Now, I don't know about y'all, that's a long piece of chalk, you know. But they gave it to me and said, hey, listen, what we want you to do is every step of the ladder as you go up, just, just write down one of your sins, okay? If you'll just write it down and go, when you're finished, you'll be, able to, you'll be up there and you'll be in heaven and we just welcome you. Thank you for doing that. But you, we just want you to do that. And I said, well, okay. And so I started and I wasn't having any problem thinking about it because just like you, I'm all too aware of my sin, right? I know the struggles I have. I'm very embarrassed by them. And I know the things that, that, that are just are so, e- so easily ensnare me as, as, as uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about. So I'm writing that. And I get about halfway through this piece of chalk. Now I've written down thousands of sin, sins and I, I'm having a hard time. I can't think of any more, but I'm not there yet, so I know there's got to be more there. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, okay, God, you got to show me something. And I felt this, this most incredible pain on my hand. And I looked up, and Pastor Jim Reeves was coming down, stepping on my hand to get another piece of chalk. <laughs> oh, mercy. I'll never hear the end of it, will I? Hey, I'll tell Jim. I'll tell Jim, you know, you know how, what kind of sinful man he is, Okay. Oh, but we all are sinful, right? And so we have this, this issue of, uh, of trying to find out or trying to realize exactly uh, what, what we can do or how to live in this freedom. Because this freedom we have in Christ is kind of twofold, all right? He has set us free from the bondage of sin because we were enslaved to sin. So now we are free not to live like we want to live, Okay, because just before this passage, and, and, and if we can go ahead and go to living grace now, all right here, thank you. And so the issue of, uh, you know, he gives us grace, which means he shows us grace. It's undeserved, unmerited favor, and we come into a relationship with him. But now we come to this process of sanctification. And that's that big word, which really means I just got to grow up. I got to mature. I got to learn how to live in this freedom that was paid for, this freedom that cost dearly in the life of Christ. And so now I've got to learn how to grow up in it so that I can have this right and intimate and loving relationship. I, I honestly believe that God gives us everything we need, guys, and ladies, everything we need to have a growing and intimate and loving relationship with Him right here. This does not have everything to know about God because even nature itself attests to the glories of God and the heavens attest to it. But everything we need to have an intimate and growing and loving relationship with him is found right here in his word. And so, but, but, but yet it sits on our shelves. We can't seem to find time for it. We're not hungry for it. We, we, we get distracted by worldliness. You know, there's some good TV shows on, and I don't want to miss my show because I like TV shows, and I like movies, and, and I think all those things are great, Right? But the problem is he set me free from the bondage of sin. And so now I am free not to live like I want to live, 
Meaning, I can't just go out here and live in riotous living. I can't go out here and, and, and try to say, oh, well, I'm a Christian, it doesn't matter, so I can go out here and get drunk. I can go out here and, and, and watch pornography. I can go out here and see rated R movies. And I can do all these things. And I'm not trying, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to set standards. I'm not trying to sit there and say, oh, this is right, this is wrong, this is right. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying, folks, there's a problem when we say that, oh, we can do anything because of our liberty in Christ. And just ask God to forgive us. Or there's a problem when we spend more time defending our right to do something than we do just trying to learn everything there is to know about Him. Does that make sense? If I'm spending more time saying, oh, I can do this or do that or do this, and, and I'm not spending the time just trying to know Christ, my priorities are out of balance. They're out of whack. And so I should always be trying to focus on Him and do that. Let's see what the Scripture says. Because you know there's power to change lives in the Scripture, right? And so I, I want to just share a few of these with you. John 8.32 says this. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from whatever hinders you from having a growing, loving, and intimate relationship with Him. Whatever bondage that you have found yourself in. Because remember, He's paid the price. We are set free from the bondage of sin. We no longer have to serve sin. We no longer have to serve the law. You know, the Pharisees were very much on rules and regulations and said, oh, you got to do this, you got to wear this kind of clothes, you got you to worship on this kind of day, you have, to, you have to say these certain things, have these certain sacrifices, you know, all these things. And by the way, today, I kind of, I, I want to make everybody happy, so I put on a really nice, expensive dress shirt, and I put on distressed jeans. So I'm making everybody happy. Those who want to be relaxed, I got that on there. Those who want me to dress up, I got the dress shirt on. How about that? Does that work? I'm just kidding with you. What I'm saying is this, this issue that we have in, with, our, uh, with our freedom is, is not about, excuse me just for a second, it's coming off, there we go. It, it, this issue we have is not about all the do's and don'ts. It's not about the law. We know what Jesus thought about the Pharisees. They were vipers and snakes, right? That wasn't working. <clears throat> but it's also not about just living freely. It's about Christ. So he says it's free. Look, in fact, he says this. Uh, uh, later on in that same chapter, John eight thirty six, it says, If the Son makes you free, then you will be free indeed. What it's saying is, the gospel has the power to change lives. Don't ever say, a person will never change. It's just flat denial of the power of Christ in somebody's life. I've seen people change. I have changed. I am not the same person I was before I met Christ. I am different. And be thankful, you would not have liked me very much before. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that's the truth. I, I, I was just, you know, I was very self-consumed and, and, and quite a hateful person. But here, here's, here's what I'm saying is he has power to change anything. Remember I said a minute ago, not hardly a week goes by that I'm not talking with somebody about a broken marriage and broken dreams or talking about somebody about uh, being addicted to pornography or being addicted to, to drugs or alcohol and seeing how that's just ravaging their life or talking to somebody about the fact that they can't forgive because they've been hurt and they've been damaged and they can't forgive, but yet it's, it's, it's wrecking their life where they can't even live a productive life because of this, this, this unforgiveness is there. I mean, these, these are things that, that just haunt us. But yet the power of Christ says, I'll set you free. I'll set you free from it. There's power in Christ. 
So whatever it is, you know, uh, that, that, that's keeping us, that's so easily ensnaring us, as the writer of Hebrews says, that, that's keeping us from serving him, oh, it comes, it's, it's compelling to us to let it go and, and to learn and grow and let Jesus be Jesus in us. A couple more verses. Psalm 119.45 says this, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought your precepts. What does that say? It says, my freedom is a result of what? The fact that I have sought His Word. If I'm taking time to get to know Him and spend time in His Word, there are no shortcuts is what we're trying to say, folks. Man, I'm so thankful we're here on Sunday morning, but if we're not spending time in the Word of God during the week, we're not going to grow up. We're still on baby food. He says, I walk about in freedom, for I have sought your precepts. Romans 6.18 You have been set free from sin, but have become slaves to righteousness. Meaning that that God is doing such a work in our life that we are are, are acting in in, in a righteous way. I'm reading through the New Living Translation right now. I try to read through a different version each year and uh, doing that stuff. I'm reading through that. And Ephesians 1-7 in the New Living Translation says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son. And He forgave our sins. That's the price. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased the free, our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That's Ephesians 1.7. And then Galatians 5.1. So in Galatians, Paul is really struggling and he hits two things. I've, I've kind of mentioned before, but he hits two things all in one thing. What you can't see up here is there's these two lines up here on the stage. And it basically tells us where we can where we can go and where we can't go. Uh, <laughs> and so, what do you mean? Well, because we film it and do all that kind of stuff. So there, y'all don't see that. But it's great for the illustration because over here on this line, over on this side, is that line of, of legalism. It's that line that says, hey, if, if I want to be holy now that I am freed from sin, then I have to make and follow all these rules and regulations in my life. And so, I, I, you know, I can only read one version of the Bible. I can't, you know, I can't ever go to a movie theater. I can't, you know, I had to watch the length of my hair or I can't wear makeup or you know whatever rule you want to put out there there's lots of them and there's plenty of people that want to infringe on our freedom that we have in Christ to try to put rules and regulations and saying we can't do that I don't I like to dance guys you know what what can I say Uh, it's fun now you may not like you may not like seeing me dance but that's a different story you know uh, but, but, I, but hey, it, it's this freedom that we have, and it's wonderful. And so I, I don't want to be stuck there. And so in Galatians 5.1, it says, It was for freedom that Christ has set, you, set us free. It was for freedom that he has set us free. Therefore, keep, keep standing firm and do not be subject to the yoke of slavery. That yoke is, think of McDonald's arch, okay? It's two sides. They put them, the yoke fit over the oxen. Okay, and so they fit over each one and they tied them to them and the oxen would pull the plow. And the yoke would then basically double the effort because the two oxen were there together pulling and that was the yoke. So they were bound together. And it's saying there, don't be subject to the yoke of slavery. Meaning, don't put yourself in a position where, where you're worried about all the do's and don'ts. Who wants to live that way? That's not the way that I think Christ wants us to live is to be subject to all that. I don't want to live that way. He has set us free from that. Man, that's awesome. But then in verse 13, same chapter of Galatians 5, says, For you were called to freedom, only do not turn your freedom 
into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Ah, so, boy, it's a different thing. So what it's saying is, don't be stuck on all the rules and regulations, but don't try to push the line all the time to say, hey, here's what I want to do just because I can. See, the, the problem is with both types of living. Listen to me right here. We're almost done. The problems with both kinds of living here is that they are both focused on the wrong thing. One focuses on, oh, I can be holier if I follow these, follow these rules and regulations. The other one says, oh, I have been set free, and I can just go ahead and do it. And if I, if I go too far, I'll just ask forgiveness. And neither one is focused on the right thing, and that's Christ. It's, it, it's all about Christ. It's all about. So if he, if he came for me, and he died for me, and he saved me, and he freed me, then everything about me should be him. To wrap it up, it would say like this. It would say, it would say, from him, to him, through him, with him, for him, and about him be all things. That's what the Christian life is about. It's a meaning. I'm not, if I concentrate on being like Christ, I don't have time for all the other stuff. And God will use me powerfully in other people's lives. And God will give me victory, victory, in the areas of life where I struggle. My uh, mentor, a man named Wayne Barber, who was uh, uh, my pastor as a, as a teenager, as I went into the ministry and was there for me during a lot of dark days where I was wanting to quit ministry and do some stuff, he said this. I want to sh- share that with you, if, if you would. He said, living grace, this idea of growing up in God, is Jesus being Jesus in us, living his life through us. Jesus being Jesus in us, living his life through us. That's the, that's the challenge today. Because it's not necessarily an easy challenge. But that is the challenge. Is Okay, if we're going to celebrate freedom, let's be thankful for our freedom as a country, but let's also be mindful of the freedom that he's given us. And let's let Jesus be Jesus in us. Well, how do I do that? Well, I get in the Word. I make sure I have the right kind of Christian brothers, brother and sister friends so that I am spending time with so that they can uh, help me during those difficult times where they can give me godly, and godly instruction or godly counsel. I do those things. But, man, it's Jesus being Jesus in us, living his life through us. And if we'll do that, oh, my goodness, the power that we'll see in our life will be amazing. Because we will not only be in the likeness of his death, but in the what? The likeness of his resurrection. Boy, what power. That's the same power that where he spoke the worlds into existence, you know. That's the kind of power I want in my life. I want to see God just having victory after victory after victory in my life. And he can, he will, if I allow him, if I focus on him. And he will for you too. So, you know, as we close today, some of you are probably sitting here thinking, Man, I've struggled for a long time with alcoholism, with pornography, with uh, drug addiction. I, I buried, I buried, I think it was three people in the last 12 months that were in their 20s because of heroin, opium, uh, opium overdoses. Man, that's, that's a, those, are, those are tough, tough funerals. 
you know, somebody so young with so much life ahead that's been thrown away, but, you know, they're just struggling and they're battling and they're seeing these things. It's there. If, I, if it's not happening to you, you know somebody that's struggling with these things, you know. Uh, maybe you've been struggling just not being able to, to, you know, not see victory in your marriage or maybe, you know, who knows what's going on, you know, but you know this sin that so easily ensnares you and you want to do this. So I want to pray for you because I want you to experience the freedom that you have in Christ. I also want you to know that if you haven't experienced that freedom you have in Christ, if you've never experienced the grace that, that God so freely gives, then we have some folks that are right outside these doors at our connection desk that will be glad to sit down and talk with you about it. Don't be embarrassed. Oh, my goodness. Please don't be embarrassed about a decision like this because this is a life-changing moment. For such a time as this, God has brought you here potentially to talk about Christ doing a change in your life. Man, I've already talked to some people today and seen some things that God's doing in their life. I hope that you too will respond in a way that God is leading you to do that, okay? So we're going to pray and then you'll be dismissed. I certainly am thankful for uh, uh, y'all being here today and I hope that you have a great, great holiday season stuff. But let's pray together. Thank you, God, for freedom. I thank you for the opportunities that we have to, to live for you. And Lord, we, we ask that Jesus, we, we will allow Jesus to be Jesus in us and live through us. We ask, God, that you would do that with power in our life, that you would help us to overcome, that you would set us free. We thank you for the gift of freedom. We thank you for grace. We thank you for all that you've done in our life. We're thankful for our country and that you've given us the opportunity to, to live in such a wonderful place. Lord, it's uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Y'all have a good afternoon.